0: TCL is a
1: proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this
0: one! <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go here.
1: Once in a while, Manny Hill, I'm a I'm accused of being a little bit grumpy on certain <laughs> topics. Once in a while, yeah. I am euphoric this week. This week is fantastic. The Minnesota Great Get Together starts Thursday, and for the first time in uh, since 1983, and for the uh, real first time since 2000 nine ten i think 2009 Uh maybe maybe 2009 when i had to go out there nine or ten times each time Uh and but since 83 i've gone in some form for the radio station at least twice usually three times sometimes more than that and uh this year no fair
2: you're not going to be within no fair. You're not going to be within no nope. fifty this, miles of this thing. No, I've <laughs> I've just had
1: enough. Congratulations to everybody that wants to go out there, but you know what the fair is like. I think is going to be like for me. It's going to be like when you cover the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You think there's nothing else going on, and that everyone is fixated on everything. You're you know yeah. The cross country skiing, they wanna know as much about it as you do. Archery. Yeah, all okay. that stuff. They we think everybody's <laughs> fixated on it. And then when you don't cover it, you don't give a damn. <laughs> you don't pay any attention to it at all. Once in a while if uh you know, if a great sprinter's gonna run or something, you might yeah. Michael Johnson's gonna run, you might stop this. Hey, what time's he running? Tell me. Of course, <laughs> then they they doctor up the the show the so they even if he ran it at different time yeah, they they put him in the you know, they'll move the that- time around with the tape and everything so you can't even trust the broadcast but the olympics i've discovered that my last one was oh two i haven't paid any attention in 20 years <laughs> and uh except and, for when
2: we did the prime time preview on the yeah oh well
1: i did when they're i like them when they're in europe and uh, you know other times in advance of us so we can have the prime time preview and <laughs> tell people what they're going to see on tv that night they appreciate that and then uh but the fair, I got a hunch mm. that everybody's going to be, hey, the fair, and I'm going to go through my life between now and Labor Day without even knowing it exists. <laughs> now, I mean, did you,
2: speaking of the Olympics, did you Did you cover the – was it Sydney in two
1: thousand? Yes.
2: When they won, when they won the gold medal, and U.S. won the gold medal. Yes. Did you cover
1: that? Yes, you did in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah baseball, I did yeah. Uh, with Lasorda and Mencabich and uh, yeah. and all those guys. Dougie yeah, baseball was, was the hero. It was pretty good. I covered it in Spain in ninety two. I think it was the first year they had baseball in ninety two. Mm-hmm. And I remember going out to watch the U.S. play Cuba in uh and. These Cuban guys, you think they play slow now? They were. <laughs> we had a four-hour, nine-inning Olympic game with they oh I gosh. remember. I remember Cuba had a left-hander named Ageda A G E T E. Never got over here, mm-hmm. but he'd take. 3 minutes between pitches. It was oh unbelievable. <laughs> they and uh, they wanted I think 92 and then yeah. the US uh, beat them. Yeah, I covered quite a bit of it because of McCabe and Lasorda and stuff and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Tommy yeah. had to be a good old time Yes, and they ended up winning it, and, you know, Tommy tried to take full credit and uh, the (laughs) whole thing. And, of course, McCabeage then came back and, uh, you know, uh, and wanted to tell everybody his gold medal. And they just—but they put him—he came back. When he came back, he actually got called up the big leagues and got to start playing more than he had. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I, I, you know— I'm one of the guys that enjoys the Summer Olympics a lot more than the, you know, a lot of, a lot of America, a lot of Minnesotans, you know, love the Winter Olympics because we have more athletes in them and stuff Mm -hmm. and the hockey, but I like the summer. But I then grew up when track and field was a, you know, the big, track and field was bigger than swimming. Yeah, it was a big thing. And now swimming is bigger than track and field, Mm -hmm. Uh, probably because we Still, win more gold medals in swimming than we do in because track and field we're we're scuffling to, yeah. to uh, hold our own because these, these you know the You're guys all over, came along and just the guys over the, all, world, all over the out, world yeah. are better. But to, but when I was a kid, track and field was uh, a big thing. I mean, there was a 1960 uh, in Rome. You know, it was us versus the Russians. The Russians were coming on, and then they had these U.S.-Russian track meets, the dual meets that were huge in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But a guy named Ray Norton was a fantastic sprinter. And he, I think he false-started himself out of the 100 or two, 200 or something. And then he dropped the baton in the relay, and the nation was cur- cursing Ray, Ray Norton. Now we wouldn't, you know, now we wouldn't even track and field as... Among the, everybody talks about boxing and horse racing, but track and field has really declined in the yeah. in the mind of uh, of Americans too. So anyway, the 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 fair, the Olympics. I whether you're there or not is is, is the big thing. And uh, you know, I decided to uh, I decided not going to the fair was a good thing when I saw the sign for chocolate chip beer. Right, <laughs> chocolate chip. Now, if you want an alternative to the fair. The Minnesota State Amateur Baseball Tournament is occurring right now. Mm-hmm. It's only on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday until Labor Day weekend, then it's on from Friday through Monday. But actually there's a game there's Friday night games this 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 week. But uh it's in Delano Fantastic Ballpark. Uh, I mean it really I hadn't been there in years. Mm-hmm. They somebody told me that between the grounds and everything there outside they got a a big, you know, concession place, and it's uh, kind of in this park. Mm-hmm. They've spent over a million dollars in the last decade, but it's it's one of the five best ballparks I've seen. And Judd and I went out there Saturday, saw a hell of a game okay. between the Cologne Hollanders, who okay. are in the state tournament for the first time since 1972, Woo. and only the second time in their history, and the Hadley Buttermakers from down in uh, Murray County, and the only team. Uh, uh, and Hadley is the only team left in Murray County where I come from down there. And it's a little town, but all the Slayton kids play there and they're good. Okay. But, uh, Cologne beat them five to two, but it was a hell of a game. They all make, they made good plays in the field. Uh, uh Cologne made great plays in the field and Judd had himself four Coors lights <laughs> for three bucks a piece he spent a buck less than it cost you for a surly in a at a loons game and he had his own designated driver me Mm -hmm. so in the convertible it it was a gorgeous day to be out there that's perfect and 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 they're also in maple lake which is a nice ballpark and 15 miles away and Mm -hmm. then dassel uh which is a beautiful ballpark too is uh Dassel is uh got class B games this week. And now Dassel, I don't know if they they might have games Labor Day weekend through Saturday. But Dassel also on Labor Day weekend has its roast chicken feed. Okay. It has its roast cuz I was out there in I Dassel. So. I was out there in Dassel about 7-8 years ago when they had the they were one of the official co-hosts, mm-hmm. and this there's a big shed there on their fairgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, why are there 400 people over there, 500 people over there in a line? They got a roast shit rooster days or something. Wow! All these towns got these, you know. This weekend is Stiptenfust in uh, Norwood, which has got the best hamburgers in the world. and uh-huh. I think they, this weekend. So in Norwood's right around there too. <laughs> they all got these festival, but but the chicken feed is uh, like That's big famous, time. famous. And I think it's on, might be on Labor Day. Maybe it's only on Labor Day. It okay. might, or it might it's the be. Monday on. after. But uh, you know, if a guy wanted to get all the Minnesota Americana, he could. Uh that's uh those little festivals in these towns on weekends the food is great usually. <laughs> I got to tell you this I wrote a really long blog on the uh, that I don't even thinks in the paper yet. But uh the clone on the clone because I became fascinated with this the they I heard a few stories about him and the the, the the guy who runs the team is a guy named Craig Pexa who's you know 60 years old and mm-hmm. devoted is Devoted, devoted the last 40 years of his life to the Cologne, uh, the, the Cologne uh, Hollanders. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had a game this year. They they He apparently has got a buddy who runs the Spring Hill team up in Stearns County, the Spring Hill Chargers. Okay. And so they've started a traveling trophy, the Horseshoe, and they play each other a game each year. For the horseshoe, you know, even though they're in completely different leagues and, you know, and they one year they'll play it up Spring Hill the next year they'll play it. So they were playing at Cologne on June 22nd, something like that, a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being a 7-7 tie after eight innings. And, of course, the All-Star game tie in Milwaukee was 7-7 after 11 innings. Mm -hmm. And like Spring Hill didn't have their whole team and they ran out of pitchers. So they, I think uh, Craig told me he could have found another pitcher, but they said, okay, it's a tie, but we got to figure out who gets the trophy. So Craig and the other manager ch- shot gun beers at home plate. <laughs> Coors Light, they shot gun beers at home plate. And I'm thinking, how would have Milwaukee escaped how would have milwaukee escaped the greatest embarrassment in all-star history
2: if they would have had if
1: we would have had tory and brentley
2: Brenly, shotgun miller
1: you're in miller park so it's got to be miller if it instead of being the worst moment in baseball all-star game history it would have been the best right (laughs) tory and i'm betting on tory over brentley aren't you
2: yeah i would think i would think joe would probably probably be the one to pull that
1: But i'm seeing those guys ceiling should have said okay we're in milwaukee Shotgun beers, whoever wins, uh, we, you know, wins the all star game.
2: So, Miller, Miller Lite, whatever you guys want, mm-hmm. just yeah, shotgun the beers. Uh, but
1: the, the, <laughs> what happened here was, uh, Craig blew him away, Pexa, mm-hmm. but he spilled a little on his shirt. So mm-hmm. the guy claimed that he didn't get it all in his mouth. <laughs> so they ended up flipping a coin, but uh, they, uh, <laughs> But the uh, the whole team was very proud of Craig because he blew out the spring the uh, Stearns County guy and the uh, ch- chugging beers. So that's that's, uh, that's why you love town team ball. There's a million stories like that out there, and uh, you know, it's I've been doing it for writing, going out and writing a column or two a year for 25 years, but mm-hmm. suddenly town team baseball is the hot ticket. We got yeah. the Eric Gisleson's. Got the eight-part series, or I think it's eight parts, on that's running on, uh, you know, uh, Fox Sports North, and then you have uh, Channel Nine's been going out and doing mm-hmm. doing stuff on town. Hall. I watched
2: one of those. I saw you 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 talked on one of those episodes. I, I think I saw on, it.
1: with the Giselson. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, but it's uh, it's funny people are discovering that it exists out there because mm-hmm. it's 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 unique. To Minnesota in the numbers of teams, you know, the Wisconsin has it too, but not nearly as many teams. Yeah,
2: I covered one state tournament when the when when I was working down in Hastings and the Hastings Hawks made it out to I think it was in Bird Island, I think that year this might have been 2011 12 ish, something like that. And uh, and it was great. I went out there, it was the first time I had really. You know, I'd been covering yeah. doing some stuff yeah. with the Hawks or whatever, but yeah. I it was the first time I'd really experienced yep. the state amateur tournament and it was it was great and people came out and it was the crowds were great and no, I, it's at, a really,
1: really fun atmosphere. At Delano, I don't think you got the uh the uh usually the most of these places have the bucket of beer cans on ice, six in a thing for fifteen bucks. I did I don't know if they uh I don't know if they got the pale, the, the pale like uh, most everybody. I'm sure Maple Lake's got the pale though. If yeah. you buy, if you buy six, you get fifteen. Now they only have Coors and Coors Light on at Delano, mm-hmm. probably because of whoever the beer distributor is in town there made a deal with them. Yep. But uh, you know, for three bucks, you can't afford not to drink, right? Yeah, you, I mean, you have to. You <laughs> yeah. got to take advantage, <laughs> Judd. Of life, you know, especially if you're Judd, you got no choice. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, we'll be back. This is uh, Manny and Ricey on the uh, baseball podcast, and uh, Buster Olney coming up soon. Not quite yet, but soon. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 952- and set up your 48 minute no obligation consultation call 952-925-5608 you'll always get straight talk not sugar-coated advice call mr money talk josh arnold at 952-925-5608 investment advisor services offered by josh arnold investment consultant llc a registered advisor in the state of minnesota past performance is no guarantee of future results all investments involve risk Ricey and Manny Hill talking baseball. Uh, Buster only coming up, and I'm gonna talk to Buster about this, but uh it's uh the the bullpen usage is driving me nuts, man. Yeah. Zach Littell uh comes up, pitches four to third scoreless, and goes back because they wanna add Nelson Cruz. Okay, fine. But this idea now Lewis Thorpe pitched two innings last night. Does that mm-hmm. mean we gotta send him back? I mean,
2: eventually, this, yeah, probably. Let's
1: just because somebody pitches two innings and he's a kid doesn't believe, mean his arm is worn out and he can't pitch again tomorrow. This idea of putting them all on the shuttle to bring up pitchers who are worse than them uh-huh. is idiotic. Zach Littell is better out of the bullpen than Cole Stewart. Yeah. But now that you send him out. You can't call him back for 10 days. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have, next time you bring up a pitcher, you're going to have a worse pitcher than him because you're upset that he, well, he's, you know, we needed a pitch. And Thorpe was fresher than Zach Littell. Well, Zach Littell's better than Thorpe. Mm -hmm. So just tell Zach Littell. You know, we might need you again tomorrow, buddy. And he'll say, "Damn, toot," and let's go. Yeah. And I guess the kid was upset Monday when he got when he found out he was going down. And you could see it when he was packing was. up. And good for him. Yeah, this whole idea of shuttling pitchers in and out and bringing up ones that aren't as good as the ones you're sending down is stupid. He gave
2: Just, them – gave them some good innings Yeah, was, we- I
1: think he – well, this time it was four to third scoreless mm-hmm. and he, in three appearances. Yeah. And he, he can pitch nine innings a week if you want him to. Mm-hmm. He can pitch three and then take a day off and pitch two and take a day off and pitch three mm-hmm. or two or whatever it is. This notion that two innings has him gassed and you need somebody fresh is asinine. And I'll tell you one thing else. If I was the Rochester Red Wings, now maybe you couldn't find a maybe this is happening everywhere. It seems that it is, but I'd tell the Twins to go to hell. I'd say next time because a it's a well-regarded minor league uh, area. You know they've had baseball forever. They got a nice ballpark. Yep. They have options. If if you're not if you're gonna they had, couple three days ago they'd gone through sixty-seven players. Oh my god. And they got a up now. They don't have a prospect. They're all you know, Alejandro Diaz, God love him, he's hitting and mm-hmm. but it's like an old timers game. It's uh, you know, it's wow. like independent ball. And this this constant shuttling of pitchers. These guys can pitch again. They're most of them are 20. You think Randy Dobnik felt like he had to go back cuz he'd pitched 4 innings? He can right. pitch again in 2 days. Yeah. Like you can you can pitch again in two days. This notion, you take one day off. We got to get a guy on a plane to come up here to have, you know, an extra arm so you can. You got eight man bullpens. Now they only have seven, but they mostly usually have eight man bullpens. And half the guys can't pitch. And then yeah. you find one who can pitch and you send him out anyway because he's not fresh. It drives me nuts.
2: Yeah, I, I'm, you know, and if. If guys are throwing well for you, like Latell, like we talked about, was good. Uh, yeah. He gave him four four good innings. Because last as week. a
1: reliever, he just has to come in and throw hard, and then yeah. throw a little breaking ball once keep in a while. Keep him up here. Yeah. If he's going good, keep him up here. <laughs> yeah. It's so stupid.
2: You know, you got okay. You've you've got your bullpen, your bullpens in the, your your main guys in your bullpen. We're talking mm-hmm. Rogers and Romo and Dyson. Those guys are those guys are okay. They're yeah. they're, they're fine. That's that's your. Those are your big hitters. And of your Duffy and band. May are. And okay. Duffy and May are all right. Yeah, but if Latell is giving you good, yes. if he's giving you good innings. Keep him up here. That's what I'm saying.
1: Reward him. Yes, reward him for giving you good innings. And, keep and, up and up don't worry the about the fact that Lewis Thorpe is fresher than he is. It yeah. just drives me nuts. And by the way, here's the other one. The reason they gave got rid of Mike Morin is that he didn't have options. They got rid of those all three. of them. Well, they got rid of Mejia because he stinks, and uh, they got rid of Blake Parker because he stinks. And <laughs> yeah. they, but Morin and pitched good for them. Yeah. But he didn't have options, so they couldn't put him on the show. Just send him back. They and couldn't forth send him and... back and forth. Well, the other day I'm watching the Phillies in a tight ball game. He's pitching the eighth. He's their setup guy. You know, <laughs> he was doing okay. He wasn't yeah, great, but he, he was all right here. Yeah. But we got to get you got to get rid of him because he doesn't have options. It was idiotic. It's, it's I, I don't true. know. It's, uh, you know, I'm going to – I'm gonna. De- next year everybody will have an eight-man bullpen because there are going to be 26 players, so you're going to have 13 and 13. I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to be able, allowed to have more than 13 pitchers. Oh, okay. I think that that's going to be part of the change. Part of, part of the deal. Okay. Because the they right? want to get an extra position player. Because mm-hmm. these dumbass teams will go 14 and 12. They'll have nine-man oh, yeah. bullpens if you let them do it. Yeah. They'll have but, as many as they want if they could. But, I'm getting my eight when I leave spring training next year and say, "Listen, you might have to pitch four days a week. If you stink, you're going back. If you're good, We're you're you staying. Yep. Yeah, you know. And I don't care if you got options or not. And you go two and a third one night scoreless. You know who was uh, Phil Miller did a piece for uh, this for the strip. I think Phil did it, maybe Label. And it was who was the guy that what's he? Once they sent him back out for the third inning, he knew he was going back to the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, he pitched two scoreless, but as soon as he sent him back out for the third, he knew he might as well. Yeah. When he left, he might as well walk right up and pack his bag because <laughs> no, he was because he had to he pitch ain't, three He day. ain't stand this this whole idea that you'd rather have someone fresh who isn't as good as someone who you're going to have to stretch a little bit is stupid.
2: The 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 position itself as a reliever. The role as a reliever has basically become like what running backs have become in football now. I mean, they're not they're, they're unless you're unless you're one uh, of the top two unless you're an Adrian Peterson type, yeah. you know yeah. reliever. Yeah. If you're the Adrian Peterson of relief pitchers. You're you know you're expendable. They'll yeah. they'll they'll ride you for a year, or they'll send you back and forth for a year, and then you know see you later. We'll send you off somewhere else.
1: Well, let's be. The, and the problem is, you need eight of them. They yep. now I've decided they ate them and it's you're not gonna have more than four that are good or five.
2: Mm-hmm. You're
1: gonna have three, you're letting bad pitchers pitch innings for you. Yeah, because you'd rather have somebody bad and fresh than fairly good. and maybe I can't use him today. I gotta use it. you know, if, if I can't use the guy tomorrow, I gotta send him in the minors.
2: And on top of that, your starting pitchers—you don't want your starting pitchers to face a lineup for the third time yeah. anymore. They yeah, don't man. want the starters to go working? more than five innings. How's that working
1: out for you? You know, it's uh, you know, it's. Uh, it, I, I and of course we gotta also inspect what the hell they did with Jose Bar- Barrios. He hasn't been worth a damn since they hooked oh. him down and. Since, Miami. since uh, Rocco did him the favor of hooking him early, he hasn't uh, gotten anybody out since. You know,
2: he's been, and really, Pat, outside of that start in Miami. He's been bad. He's He's been, you know, he's, it's, I I, I told this to Derek and, and Judd yesterday on the twin show, or, you know, in our emails before the show, that for the most part, since about May with Barrios, we've seen, We've seen either bad Burrios or just get by, mm-hmm. and we've yeah. seen great Burrios one time. Yeah, down in Miami yeah. a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah, it's, uh, otherwise it's, it's been even in the performances where he's quote unquote done well. It's mm-hmm. just been he's just been kind of getting by and waiting for him to have that that wow type of performance.
1: Again. I uh, think uh, he was hoping to get paid this uh, spring and it didn't happen. Yeah. I think it's weighing on him. And yeah. I think it's weighing on Eddie a little at times, too. Eddie, yeah. you know, hey, they paid these other two guys. They didn't pay us. You know, of course, both Eddie and him want a lot more money than yeah. Polanco and Kepler. All right. Uh, Buster Olney coming up on the uh, Racy on Baseball with Manny Hill. Uh, we'll be back. Buster Olney is with us, ESPN and ESPN.com. Back from Williamsport, uh, how was historic Bowman Field for a ball game?
0: Awesome. Uh, and look, uh, Major League Baseball, you know, they do a great job in sort of, uh, you know, making the field Major League ready. Uh, Clint Hurdle uh, actually managed in Williamsport in 1991 really? at Bowman Field, and I asked him about how different it is now compared to then. He goes, oh, my God, he can't. It was so different. And, you know, especially on Sunday night because the, the stands are filled with a bunch of little leaguers, the 2,500 that uh, could actually fit in the ballpark. And so it had a different sound, and and it was a lot of fun from, uh, you know, the day beginning with the players hanging out with Little Leaguers and Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo and Joe Madden going on cardboard down the hill to the end when you had all those Little Leaguers mocking Craig Kimball for that prowler thing that he does (laughs) when he sets up, which was – A lot of fun. It was a really cool day.
1: So uh, what was it? What were they in the New York Penn League for years or something or the Eastern League?
0: Exactly. Yeah. No. uh, And we had. uh, Yeah. That's exactly what was going on when uh, when when Clint was managing before in the Mets organization.
1: Well, it was fun that Clint had something nice to talk about. But because this is one of the great collapses in history, it's kind of gone unnoticed. They were two and a half out at the All-Star break and they're 15 or something.
0: Yeah, seven and twenty-eight since the All Star break, and in talking with players on the team, they're they're shocked by it as well because you know they had just had a good series against the Cubs going into the break, and they're feeling good about themselves, and they've just fallen off off the face of the earth. You know, uh, Josh Bell coming out of the All Star uh, All Star events, he just wasn't the same initially, and since then he's been battling the whole issue of when opposing pitchers don't want to throw you strikes. How do you handle that? But their starting pitching, you know, has been a real issue. And unfortunately for the folks who run the team, you know, uh, Neil Huntington's been their general manager a long time. Clint's one of the longest-tenured managers in baseball. A lot of speculation in Pittsburgh about whether or not uh, those two guys are going to be around next year.
1: Okay, the uh, you know, the Major League Baseball going to the Little League World Series and playing a game there and playing a game on Army bases and, uh, and uh, now the Field of Dreams. A lot of people say, ah, it's old-fashioned, but I think – Baseball has to embrace Americana and tradition and stuff like that. To, you know, they're not going to be the cutting edge sport where two guys get in a ring and pound the crap out of each other and you know and kick each other and and things like that. They they need, uh, I, I think, to do these things to embrace uh, uh, Americana.
0: A hundred percent, and I think it's a way to appeal to. You know a, a, a different type of audience. You know when we did those games in London, they were the highest-rated games we had all year. People are interested, and in, and you bring in a new set of fans to watch those games. You know uh, little leaguers. Uh, you know some of the, the little league games do really well, uh, high ratings. And so when you have the major leaguers uh, in Williamsport for the Little League World Series, you're going to have fans watch that. And on top of that, and you know this because you've covered baseball longer than I have. It's a long damn season, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and you know, it's different than the NFL, where you know every game has such importance. In baseball, you got one hundred and sixty-two games, and that's what I saw in the face of the Cubs the other day. You know, they're involved in the pennant race, and they've been, you know, haven't had a lot of days off. But I think that day, the players had a lot of fun, and we're energized by having a special event like that.
1: Yeah, and they're you know they're probably going to win their division, but they are a burdened team, man. They have this, they have this. Uh, you know, collar hanging over them because people expect so much more from them. And uh, I'm sure that, uh, you know, getting away from that part of it and changing the narrative for 24 hours was probably fun.
0: Yeah. And you've got more confidence in them winning that division than I do. Uh, I got to say, you know, the Cardinals, because Jack Flaherty's become one of the better pitchers in the national league here in, in recent months. Uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt turned around his early season slump. And it just feels like since the Cubs won that World Series in 2016, like it's tough being them. Yes, it like is. <laughs> it's Theo you Epstein, know, the head of baseball ops there, you know, talks about this, this sense of a, a lack of urgency among the players, and they keep on changing coaches. They keep on changing some of the players. They make additions like Nicholas Castellanos, and they just can't seem to sort of shake free of all that.
1: Yeah, they might uh, they might have a chance to win a series on the road this week, which is incredible. That 12, twelve in a row, right? Twelve in a row, or eleven or twelve in a row. They haven't won. They have two ties and ten losses in them. So uh, I I, re- I read your piece on uh, bullpens and uh, how the bullpens are blowing up, and and my theory has become, you know, because what three four years ago, Buster, we were saying, well, you know, you get the starters out. Now you got to face all these guys throwing 98. When you go in with eight of them, when you're going with eight of them and you won't pitch a starter past five innings, four of those are bad. Four of the eight are just marginal, you know, in a good bullpen. Half of them are marginal and you're letting those guys try to get outs and, you know, they shouldn't even be pitching in the big leagues.
0: Yeah. And that's, Uh, And I think what we're seeing this year with the regression of bullpen performance is uh, is a full manifestation of, you know what, you're counting on guys who really aren't that good to suck up a lot of innings, and there are going to be some consequences. When I brought that up to Clint Hurdle the other day, he kind of raised his eyebrows, and he used the word erosion. Like in recent years, teams have used these relievers so much, and we're seeing the performance decline. He thinks it's just because all of it is stacked up on them. Look, you know, for years, when you looked at statistics around baseball, you always could assume that the bullpen ERA for a given team was lower than the starters ERA, and usually by a decent margin. This is the first time since 1969 that the reliever ERAs, generally across the board in baseball, is the same as it is for the starters. And that number has been going down year by year by year. And you do wonder now if teams will begin to boomerang back the other way and say – you know what, we've been conditioning this generation of starting pitchers to think that if you go through a lineup twice that you're good, four and a third innings is a fine start. (laughs) Maybe we ought to start thinking the other way. And it was interesting because when I was getting ready to come on with you and I was looking at some of the Twins' numbers, guess what, they've got five pitchers who might qualify for the ERA title who might have 162 innings. So you wonder if in the Twins' front office they're already very aware of this and thinking, boy, we better get back to those days when we rely – on some of our core pitchers rather than this whole group, this whole platoon of relief pitchers.
1: Uh, well, and Francona was in here when the when the Indians were in here uh, for that series, and he had Clevenger throw 117 pitches and go seven. Bieber went seven the next day. I think one reason he's had an effective bullpen is he lets his starters pitch some innings.
0: And and I think that managers need to recondition themselves to go the other way. Because when I first started covering baseball, you know, a manager would go 100 and uh, let his starting pitcher go 120 pitches. Nobody blinked. And then all of a sudden that kind of went down to 110 and then 100. And last week, Joe Madden, who, you know, he's a a terrific manager, and I don't really mean this specific criticism of his decision this game, but you, Darvish, threw 92 pitches in seven scoreless innings with no walks and he pulled him from the game. And I think part of the reason why is the managers now mentally are thinking, you know what, if I can get my guy out 85, 90 pitches, that's where I should be. I don't, You know, they wound up blowing a 5-0 lead in that game. It was an important game that they, you know, dropped in that moment. I think starting pitchers, the managers have to get back to believing their starting pitchers can go 100 and 110 pitches. Keep your better pitchers in the game rather than going to some of these relievers. So let's face it, Patrick, they're one-trick ponies. Yes. They throw fastballs really hard, but they don't have secondary pitches. <laughs> and this year, with hitters adapting to high velocity, they're getting beat up.
1: And uh, a couple of things. Uh, you know, uh, Brios pitched seven scoreless innings in Miami and threw 82 pitches. And Rocco thought he was doing a favor by hooking him. And he hasn't been worth a damn since, <laughs> you know. I mean, he, you know, he hasn't, you know, the other day they get a they get him a a six 0 lead and then an eight two lead and he doesn't go five.
0: Yeah, <clears> and I and I do think that that's going to be the you know the readjustment the the cycle back to where we were before is that teams have to get it back and as as they develop young starting pitchers look. Seven innings is what you what uh, would be ideal. You know, Rick Porcello, I was talking to our friend Peter Gammons the other day, and he mentioned that Rick Porcello has said to him that his feeling is, is that if he doesn't get into the eighth inning, that he hasn't done his job. And I think baseball would be well served not only as a product, but I also think in terms of developing teams, to doing that as opposed to having these platoon of relievers. I'm already cringing thinking about September's Having oh. games where you get eighteen to twenty relievers in
1: them. Yeah, it's uh, and they didn't do. They were going to do something about that, and they didn't do it. So, uh, but here's here's another example. This Zach Littell. They they try to make him a starter. He can't. He's not a starter. But he can come in and throw hard and for an inning or two. So he pitches four and a third scoreless innings in a week, and he gets sent out yesterday because. Uh, well, they needed a they you know they'll they'll shuffle some other reliever in here when they need eight. They no matter whether these guys are these kids are pitching good or bad, they get sent back to the minors to get a fresh arm in. If they pitch two innings, they know they're going back to Rochester. I think it's idiotic.
0: Yeah, it's it's like having a if you were building a track team and you decided that, you know what, we've got one marathoner and we'll keep uh, 12 sprinters. <laughs> yeah. And what we wind up having is a lot of situations this year where t- managers are having to walk over to one of the position players, the older guys saying, "Hey, can you finish up the game for us? Can can you fill in these innings?" It, it you know, as, as our friend Tim said, Um, You know, said to me recently that it used to be fun when you see the position players pitch and have a couple of outings uh, during the course of the year for a given team. Now it happens almost every day.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Hey, uh, so I was over at uh, in Fort Myers the day that uh, you know the the Red Sox started camp, and Chris Sale was there and. And uh, coming off, uh, you know, an injured year, a, a year when he broke down, and I was shocked when they gave him 150 million a couple years later, a couple days later, and uh, now they have uh, shut him down for the year. A, they're obviously giving up, but B, uh, what's what's the read on this thing?
0: Yeah, and Patrick, you weren't the only one who was shocked that the Red Sox gave him that contract sight unseen without really having gotten a sense of how healthy he was into the regular season. Executives of other teams were were saying that, why, why wouldn't you wait and see how he looks physically in April and May before you commit that kind of money? And now that looks like a decision that's absolutely going to haunt them. You know, I we know in the NHL they don't give us exact injury information. I think that's where we can put what the Red Sox <laughs> told us yesterday with Chris Sale because they announced that Dr. James Andrews looked at his elbow and confirmed, yes, he does have inflammation. And his general managers have told me through the years, when we tell you guys inflammation, we're not really telling you anything. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I don't know exactly what's going on in there, but I was hearing from people with other teams, and they're reading the tea leaves, they're saying there are all kinds of red flags that he probably has some sort of a partially torn elbow ligament. And it might mean that he's avoiding Tommy John surgery now, as Masahiro Tanaka did, and David Price a couple years ago for the Red Sox. But big picture for Boston, you know, besides the fact that Sale is now officially shut down for the rest of this year, for the next three years, they have $80 million committed annually to Chris Sale in year one of his uh, five-year contract, David Price and Nathan Avaldi. And wow. they have no idea what they're going to get out of those three guys in rotation because of the physical issues that they've had. It is a big issue for Boston going forward. It might affect their decision whether or not to trade Mookie Betts.
1: I see Tanaka's delivery, and he's pitch. He's been able to pitch with the uh, somehow the only yep. guy that's really been successful. I see sales. I don't see a. I don't see a partially torn uh, uh, ligament in the elbow uh, being able to pitch with that delivery. I don't. I don't see that.
0: No, Uh, and I I would agree with you. As you know, when uh, he was drafted in 2010, a lot of teams shied away from him because he's got those funky mechanics. And look, he's pitched, you know, uh, he's been healthy a lot longer than what people expected, but he's older now. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see how he does moving forward. The fact that they said yesterday that no Tommy John surgery, I think you have to put the word, right now, <laughs> right now to it, because he's going to go back and meet Andrews in six weeks, and it might be then that they say, you know what, let's get this done. Tanaka Price, two of very few examples of guys who've been able to pitch with that ticking time bomb in their elbow with a partially torn ligament.
1: So uh, Price was pitching okay, and then he got in another feud with Eck, and he's been terrible ever since. What is he? Has he got a physical ailment too?
0: Yes. Um, what they've told reporters, and again, I always assume that this is probably more than what they're telling us, is that he's had the cyst on his wrist. His command has just not been the same. And his performance has absolutely taken a nosedive um, in the second half. And you've got to believe, with the Red Sox playoff chances down to 5%, according to fan graphs, yeah. that, uh, that they'll probably look to, to basically shut him down at some point and try to get him ramped up and ready for 2020.
1: What do they have to do? When do they have to pay Mookie? Uh, they got one more year of him or –
0: yeah, he's a free agent after 2020, and their previous efforts to sign him to a long-term deal have not gotten anywhere, and it's got to the point when you talk with folks with other teams, they absolutely believe that the Red Sox, beginning of the off-season, will go to Mookie, try to work out some sort of deal. You know, there's conversation around the edge that, you know, it might cost a Mike Trout type of contract $430 million, <laughs> and if the Red Sox don't want to do that, and we mentioned how they face this financial crunch from that group and their starting pitchers that we don't know how, you know how much they're actually going to contribute. If they can't work out a deal with Mookie, then, yeah, it probably makes sense to take them into the trade market this winter, get a couple of uh, pieces for what is a depleted farm system, and move forward. Because, look, it's one thing to have an impending free agent and trade him in the middle of a season if it's in Kansas City. In Boston, where you have uh, you know a big yeah. payroll team that at the very least is going to hang around the fringe of a playoff race, you don't want to have a conversation in the middle of two thousand twenty about trading Mookie bets and expect that your fans are going to be able to handle that very well.
1: But good luck, uh, you know. I mean, even the Dodgers uh, it can only do so much. Uh, if you're, if if the market knows that it's going to cost them four hundred million to keep yep. a guy, uh, you know, who's going to rent Mookie for one year? That's uh, the, the, you know, the reality of of trading position players in uh in today's game as uh, you know the pitchers are as we find out at every trade dying, the only guys that ever get traded are uh pitchers yeah Robert.
0: and you saw that with Manny Machado a couple of years ago right where the Orioles listened to offers the year before he became a free agent in uh, in the, the offseason they didn't like what they heard they waited until the middle of the next season and they wound up really probably having to settle for like a B plus B uh grade B type return And that's, you know, if the Red Sox actually trade Mookie Betts, I think that's probably what they're going to have to prepare their fans for. Look, it's not an ideal position to try to trade someone who, by the way, he made $20 million. He's making $20 million this year in arbitration. Uh, He's probably going to get an arbitration, set an arbitration record this upcoming winter, maybe make $25 to $30 million. And that's probably going to diminish your return even more, given how much he's going to make in salary next year.
1: Say, uh, did your baseball writing career start in Camden Yards or were you a Memorial Stadium guy?
0: Uh, the first time I covered the Orioles, uh, they were in Camden Yards in 1995. And okay. I actually just bumped into Mike Messina the other day in uh, Williamsport. He was there for the Little League Classic. Uh, yeah, but I, I actually never covered a game in Memorial Stadium.
1: But you, uh, you haven't been to old, uh, lovable Camden to see this mess lately. I see they've been announcing about 11,000, and which is pretty robust considering uh, they now are on another eight-game losing streak. Unbelievable how
0: bad they are. They are terrible, and given the fact that they inhabit the same division as those two superpower financial teams, the Red Sox and the Yankees, I mean, they may be six or eight years from from true relevancy, again, and it's going to be a long road. But the funny thing is, when you talk to folks with other teams about the condition, the overall condition of a given organization, it's amazing how many people say, yeah, but they're not as bad as the Tigers. (laughs) In terms of the prospects they have coming up through the farm system, they've at least started the process of really turning that team over in Baltimore. And the Tigers still have to write out that big contract from Miguel Cabrera and try to try to rebuild that farm system.
1: They uh, tigers think they got a couple of pitchers coming. There's Casey Mize and a couple other guys, but no, oh, their lineup is just uh, just just absolutely brutal. My guy Gardy, I hope they do him a favor and run him off after this year. So uh, that would be, uh, you know, maybe you're doing him a favor. Yeah, you were. Uh, you have noted that our uh, Twins' uh, rotation is uh, running into uh, big uh, problems here. They just swept four straight in Texas. And none of their starters went past five.
0: Well, that that 100%. Um, and, you know, that's going to be a big question, especially when you look at, I mean, let's face it, the standard in the uh, American League postseason is going to be the Houston Astros with that rotation that has Verlander and Gary <laughs> and Zach Ranke and Wade Miley has been terrific as the number four. And, oh, yeah, That guy, Aaron Sanchez, who was the American League ERA winner three years ago for the Blue Jays before going over there. Um, So they have to have better performance out of their rotation. Here's the good thing, Patrick, before I came on with you, I looked at this. The Twins face, by far, the easiest schedule statistically of any team in baseball the rest of the way. Uh, Collective winning percentage for the teams they're going to face down the stretch, 451. The next closest team is like 476. So uh, the starting pitchers... Are not going to be facing those monster lineups like maybe some of the other teams will have to face.
1: Well, I tell you who's a manly man, this uh, Nelson Cruz. <laughs> he, he rips a tendon in his wrist uh, and he's back uh, ten days later. And last night he hit two rockets and uh, and uh, he is having an unbelievable year. What's his OPS is still over a thousand, I believe. So. And
0: I think that was one of the you know if you look back to last winter and you think about guys that probably should have gotten paid more. Uh, yes. DJ LeMahieu would probably top my list. You know, he's a t- terrific player and all-star for the Rockies. And because of concerns about how he'd hit outside of Colorado, um, the best deal he got was two years and twenty-four million from the Yankees. And he's going to be in the top ten of the MVP voting. But when Nelson Cruz signed to, I think what was it, twelve million dollar, Four, fourteen
1: this year yeah, and twelve next, they got him for twelve next year if they wanted. So yeah,
0: it's it's uh, absolutely insane when you think about a guy who's been that consistent. Uh, in recent years, I mean, hes I'll never forget that moment in the playoffs when he hit that home run off Justin Verlander, a 100-mile-per-hour fastball, and did, did that, uh, that power lifter pose with his uh, showing off his guns in the dugout after he hit that. The man can hit a fastball, and by all accounts, he is a great teammate, and I've heard nothing but that from uh, from the first day that he arrived in the Rangers organization.
1: Well, uh, he missed the ten days after he did the wrist thing, but he was as hot as I have ever seen after the All Star break. Before he had to take the ten day break, unbelievable! Okay. Sixteen yeah, he home runs.
0: People about how good he is working with the other players on the team with the younger hitters. And discussing, you know, between at bats about, you know, what's your plan going into this at bat. He's a big help that way.
1: You know, he's a famous napper, right? He likes the pregame naps. He likes to take the pregame naps. So uh, <laughs> Sid Hartman, who's uh, 99 years old, was over interviewing him the other day, and all of a sudden you hear Cruz bellow out 99, and uh, and then later on he was asking somebody. How has this guy done it? And the guy, you know, kind of shrugged, and he said, I hope it's naps. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: Nelson's personality, and Sid, just the, the legend just keeps on giving. Yeah,
1: that's unbelievable. All right, Buster, thank you. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Patrick. All right, the great Buster Olney, ESPN and ESPN.com. Next week, the TK Doubleheader, Tom Kelly and Tim Kirkton.